another episode of the Single Girl's Guide to Life, your weekly guide to single life living in your 20s, 30s and 40s. I'm Chantelle Dyson, a single life empowerment coach, helping women to embrace their single life and not be entirely focused only on their relationship status. And we're going to jump straight in this week because this episode means a lot to me and I think it's important to have recapped and spoken about every now and then because often a lot of you find the podcast and have reached out to tell me that you found the podcast at a time when you have just become single. And that can be an incredibly testing time. There's obviously a lot of emotions going on when we're going through or just gone through a breakup. And the reality is that Yes, the breakup can have happened and you might be separated and have moved out if you've had to do that stage. But the actual period of the breakup is still going on. It's not like we suddenly break up and we're okay. The breakup is a a whole phase afterwards where we are navigating who we are without this person in our life the way that they used to be. And whether you manage to later keep contact with because you've got intentions to stay friends with them or not, it's still a very difficult time to navigate that's going to look different to what it looked like before. And so I wanted to bring up this idea of talking about moving on and how to live your life after, in my case, I'll be referring to divorce, but any breakup, and it doesn't even have to be that long, but particularly so for long-term relationships where your life has changed and partly has been built around you two being a couple, that now means that that will change. And that may or may not include children. I know some of you that listen have children as well. It's not an experience I can directly talk about, but from the people that I work with and I know what you guys go through, I can refer to that and understand that there are added elements to that that you have to consider and that have those implications. Now, the idea for this came after I was interviewed on BBC Essex earlier in the week regarding life after divorce. And they were really talking about, could you stay friends with someone after a separation, breakup or divorce? But really, I was talking generally about the process and how it had been. And it's really interesting because when you divorce so young, you are very much one of the few maybe that has done that. The idea of divorce for people in your friendship groups. I can't say that I know many people in that scenario because they either haven't got married in the end and separated or it's just not, they're still married. And that hasn't happened yet and it might never happen for some people. They might have chosen that person that works and will be able to adapt. In my case, it didn't quite work like that and so I had to do what was best for me at the time. Now, the thing about any relationship breakdown and the ending of it is the temptation to consider it and see it as a failure. And I spoke about this in the interview, but I want to speak about it in a little bit more depth. I'm not sure where the association comes from. Sometimes it feels like it's the wasted investment of time, the fact that we made a mistake. Ultimately, the idea of leaving my own relationship, marriage at the time, was down to the fact that I didn't want to compromise myself. I often think of Bronnie Ware's five regrets of the dying piece and it is the first one I think that gets mentioned in the list which is along the lines of wishing that you'd lived a life that you lived and not according to others something along those lines and I remember looking at certain models of love in my environment the people that I knew and I just looked and I thought I can't get to a state where 
I stay because I should, because it would be harder to leave, because it would hurt people. I had to look and go, is this truly what I want? And do I want to stay? And that brings with it a lot of guilt. I I touched on that during the interview because ultimately you're not just affecting you nor that other person's life. I mean, it's bad enough that you're doing it to someone that at some point you loved so deeply. And in this case, I committed to, but it doesn't matter if you got married or not. The, The fact that you committed to one another in a particular way and started building a life together is very difficult on its own, let alone then the families, the friends that also get affected, whether you've completely become a couple and you now have friends that you met as a couple and they actually aren't friends with you individually, or the ones that have started to blend where you're friends with one of the members of a couple and they're friends with the other member of the couple. And then they're now having to navigate who they talk to and how they get the information from each side and and remain fair and don't hold the blame either, but be there for their friends. And then for those that have children, obviously you've got a direct impact if that is the father of their child as well then you've got that to consider too. Or if it's a new relationship, having had children from another previous relationship, again, you know, it's that upheaval. And and you know that when, if you are in the position of choice, that it's going to affect more people than you. And you can feel guilty for that. But it's not then something to hold on to because whatever we do sometimes means that we might even appear the villain because it is having such an effect. Why can't you just be happy why can't you just get on with it lots of people stay and they're not you know it can't all be wonderful all the time but at the same time for me I knew I had to know for sure and if I make a mistake if I devastate some of these lives in the process and it's a mistake I will feel even guiltier but my instinct is telling me my intuition tells me that's not going to be the case and I was fairly confident in that decision despite having hardly spoken to anyone about it through thinking it through as it were It's that knowing feeling and something that I can't ignore. And if again, if you're considering it, then it's making sure that you stay in tune with yourself and knowing what you really want. Now, I think it's easier to go through any kind of breakup if you can come to an agreement, if you've had discussions about it, and if it's not going to take someone by surprise. And I say that in hindsight, as opposed to from direct experience of executing that. But in hindsight, if you can come to that agreement that this isn't working, it gives the other person that chance to feel that they have had the opportunity to try and that conversations have happened. And despite changed behavior and scenarios, it's not been recovered and it's not recoverable. And it's almost an acceptance of that element, even if it is more testing at the time. But I wanted to delve into a few little things to make sure that you come out of the other side of any breakup that you have in a way that allows you to start building yourself up. So whether you make the choice about leaving yourself, about separating together, or this is happening to you, which has an extra devastating feeling to it, especially if it feels like it's out of your control. But ultimately, that's down to deciding to partner with someone is that they can leave that partnership at any given time is making sure that you go through the process and you go through the feels and make sure that you come out the other side ready at the right time. None of this is going to be quick. But it doesn't mean that you're a failure. That's a really important thing to take through. This is a learning experience. The minute you're starting to go through something difficult, it might be useful to you to know that you're going to grow so much in this process. And to do that, I've got a few tips and hints that I reflect and think, yeah, 
that's how you do it. And that's how you get through this period successfully. It doesn't mean you won't be upset, angry, tired, exhausted from it, but it's doing it in a way that can benefit you over the time. So the first thing that's really important is that you have every right, even if you're the one that left, to mourn the relationship that you had because it is over. It is the end. And who you were then in the relationship will be different to who you are right in the moment of that relationship ending and who you are now going to become going forwards. And the plans and visions that you had and thought were going to happen are now not, not in the way that you thought and not with the person that you thought. And it can be very easy, particularly if you have made the decision to think that you're the one that's completely okay with this, that you're going to find this easy to do. And that's just not true. You can still be very upset that something has ended. It's an ending. It's saying goodbye to someone that's potentially been a part of your life for a number of years. And it's going to be different. And you are allowed to have those emotions, those weird feelings that you don't know how to navigate. And it's important that you express it, whether you express it through a journal, whether you express it to other people, whether you work through it with a therapist, with friends. It's normal to grieve that process. And I spoke about how to get through a breakup way back at the beginning of the podcast on number 19, episode 19, how to get over a breakup, where I go through the stages of grief. It is grief, yes, we normally associate that with losing a person to death. But in this case, you've lost a person to choices to life and it almost makes it harder because they still exist in some way but that process back in episode number 19 talks about the stages of denial anger bargaining depression and then acceptance it's not linear in fashion you don't go through each of those ones necessarily but you do end with acceptance and the others it kind of moves between and that doesn't mean either that whilst I accept and I've moved to a point where I can get on with my life and not be sad about the fact that we ended things angry at myself for not doing things differently or anything like that, that those don't creep up every now and then. You will have those moments where you're like, oh, so it's so much easier actually staying. But at the same time, you have to then realise why you left. There's always going to be those moments. It's always the grass is greener on the other side. Very cliche, I know. But it's understanding that you will go through that process, whether quickly or slowly. But bottling any of it up isn't going to help. So then the next one comes from that feeling of guilt that I was talking about. If you feel guilty about what you've done, it's because you care. It's because you know exactly what effect this is going to have. And you feel bad for not having brought it up before, right? You maybe did it as soon as you possibly could. And in hindsight, maybe you should have done it earlier. But ultimately, you didn't. And you did it when you did. And that was when you were going to do it. And the alternative to that is if you didn't end things, you can still feel guilty that you didn't do enough, that it's your fault, that if you'd done something different, they would stay. And in either case, that guilt can lead to you blaming yourself, blaming yourself for not trying hard enough, blaming yourself for choosing the wrong person, blaming yourself for thinking that things could have gone differently. You would always and are always only ever doing the best that you know how to do in that moment. And of course, we can look back and go, oh, yeah, I should have done that. And that's what hindsight is for, reflection and being honest and developing. But we can't hold ourselves to these high standards when this is life. And things aren't permanent in life. Things change all the time. And we're always learning how to 
be better at relationships, how to talk to one another, how to treat people and knowing ourselves well enough to not get ourselves in particular scenarios sometimes. Sometimes we know, we look back and we go, how did I end up with someone like that? That was always going to end up that way. And we just need to be as kind to ourselves and forgiving that we're on this earth having a human experience. If it were possible to learn from other people perfectly so that we didn't make the same mistakes, everybody would be out there living a perfect life because we've got thousands of years, if not hundreds of thousands of years. I don't know how long they think that the earth has been around for, but, or human life anyway. But there are plenty of experiences that we have documented in hundreds of books, autobiographies from now, from hundreds of years ago, and people were still making the same mistakes. And that's because we personally have to have our own experiences of it to learn it. We have to go through the feelings of embarrassment, shame, guilt, to understand what it does to us and then how it makes us as a person. You can read all the books and all the manuals and all the self-help stuff in the world, but until you actually experience certain things for yourself, you can't realise what it does. And sometimes that learning of how it feels to be guilty about it because you invested so much time and you feel like you're letting someone down means that we're more careful when we then approach future scenarios because we've learned we don't want to get ourselves in a situation where it might have been avoided if we just kept an eye on things more or known ourselves better. But to blame yourself is going to lead you to get caught up and beat yourself up over something that is quite normal in this world. It's around 50% of marriages ending in a divorce and that's marriages. Let's think about all the relationships that end up in breakups. It's not going to be documented because it's so fluid. So just something to think about. The next thing to do is make sure that you get the support that you need and you ask for help. And this can be in a professional manner. It might be that you want to seek out a therapist to work through this with you because it's something that you don't have the connection with people in your current life to feel comfortable enough to open up and you want a therapist to really help you with techniques to do that. But also leaning in your friends and family at this time is one of the most powerful things to do. This is one of the most challenging parts of your life right now. And it goes to show you who is there for you and who will be there for you, show up and help and be encouraging. And it gives the opportunity, if you can open up to them and share how devastating it is, how difficult it is, all the things that you've been thinking and haven't been talking about and navigating that with them, your connection is likely to deepen. And you will find that whilst this is a tragic experience of a lot of upheaval, you might also find that you realise who your truest friends are and who can really be there for you, which whilst you're going through that difficult element, the other side of it, that's beautiful. That something so deep, so nice to have in your life can come of something so challenging and stressful and upsetting. So it's making sure that you lean on other people, that you ask them to be there for you, that you ask for the help that you need. And that sometimes might just mean coming around and giving me a hug or saying, can I come around because I don't want to be on my own. Even now I'm single, I just need some company. Your friends are generally there for you, but we don't often have a reason to ask them. And this is one of those times. You don't, you might not want advice from them or guidance. You might just want them to talk out to, to get upset to, to get that anger out, not directly at, but just to express it out at how you feel. Going back to all of the grief stages, rather than going back to your ex and trying to bargain with them, telling that friend that that's how you feel and that's what you want to do. And hopefully they'll talk you out of that and get you to your senses with, it's not going to fix what was wrong anyway. 
And those friends hopefully will tell you some hard truths when you need it, but give you the comfort that you need as well. Now, the other thing that happens sometimes when we're in this scenario is that we feel quite bad, whether it's from leaving or from being left. And we're trying to look for quick fixes, unfortunately, to make ourselves feel better again. Because when someone leaves, we question why. And we start to think, is it because I'm not good enough in some way? Whether that's the way you look physically, whether it's the way that you are emotionally. Maybe you think that you're a psycho and you might have even been insulted with that. uh, If it's been quite a heated breakup, that someone might think that you're asking too much. And so to make ourselves feel better again, we decide it's a great idea to start dating because, hey, I'm single, I'm free. Why wouldn't I take advantage of going on the dating apps? The problem is you are trying to put a plaster over a much bigger problem because relationships do give us some sense of security. On that Maslow's hierarchy of needs that I talk about regularly, and if you haven't heard it before, go Google it. It's number three is love and belonging. And people talk about self-love and I debate about where self-love really sits on that hierarchy of needs. I think you need to have acceptance of self in the self-love elements to go into stage three. But I really think that you also need to be accepted and loved and have that sense of belonging from other people before you get to the next two, which are all about self-esteem and self-actualization, which is where I think the true core bit of self-love sits. So to me, I still don't believe you need a relationship to be able to access self-love. I feel that you need a sense of love and belonging before you can then step into your confidence, hence why you need the support network first. But yeah, the comfort of a relationship can have also very much given us that love and belonging. And depending on how far into that relationship that you have relied and you have not maybe kept up your support network through your friends and family as well, you might now find yourself in a position where when the relationship has gone, you haven't got the love and belonging that you had before. And in your mind, you can imagine that finding another relationship to do that would do that. Now, technically it would work. In theory, if that relationship does give you belonging, then it fulfills that bit and then you can start to get confident again. But if you're in this mindset where you believe that's the only way to do it, then that's when you start to compromise on your standards. It's where you'll accept poorer behaviour because you're like, well, I'd rather be in a relationship where I am accepted and have a sense of belonging, but it's not that great because I want this feeling to go away now, sooner rather than later. And you end up in a situation that realistically isn't the best for you. And you start to see those repeating patterns over time. Whereas if you can get that network of support from your friends and family, and I know it's not everything. I know it doesn't fulfill particular elements of a romantic relationship. But if you can fill yourself up enough with love and belonging from those people, then you avoid the need to fill the gap and replace your ex really quickly. And that's when you actually start to heal. Because once you have that network of support around you through other means you realize how much you don't need a relationship and later down the line you decide when you actually want a relationship and when you've done the work to be able to navigate that rather than getting distracted with the butterflies and the excitement and maybe just the attachment triggers of a new relationship you will by not just instantly replacing your ex give yourself the chance to actually grow as a person And fill in some of those doubts you have in yourself, those things that do make you feel nervous. And if you're a 
serial relationship person where you do jump from one to the other, chances are there's probably a lot to have a little look at and maybe to have a breather every now and then. Which lastly brings me on to the fact that we're kind of working up that hierarchy of needs. But throughout the whole process, it's about setting yourself realistic goals. You will not be happy with your single life within the first three months of having broken up with someone if they were that significant and had such a part in your life before. No chance. You can't from just the breakup point to three months. It's not going to happen because there's so much upheaval if you've intertwined that much. Unless you fully checked out much earlier than that and they are completely gone out of your life within three months. But if they are there and around for practicality, such as um, managing children, of uh, sorting out who's getting what housing, of literally moving out, sorting finances out. Firstly, they're around anyway, so you're getting reminders of them. But this all takes time. You can't expect things to clear themselves up that quickly. So thinking that I'm going to be out there going on solo trips and having fun in the first three months isn't necessarily realistic. Saying I might take myself to the cinema one evening for the first time and start this idea of being on my own, that's slightly different. You might hate it and feel weird about it because you used to go to the cinema with them all the time and that's sad and you've got to process that grief. There are going to be things that come up for you for the first time that you just cry. I remember, because it's just come back to me, I remember the first time that someone, maybe not the first time, I told people about the divorce, but it was more of the one where someone said something that implied I was still with my ex, but I obviously wasn't but it wasn't common knowledge. And they said something about where I lived. I don't even think it was about my ex. I think it was where I lived. Something, something, something about the location I lived. And I said, I don't live there anymore. And broke down in tears in front of them. And they were like, what? Wait, what's wrong? Like, they would never have known. They weren't at a point. I didn't want to bring things up with people if it hadn't yet come up or been a point at which I'd spoken to them. And this was obviously one of those points that, I thought, well, it's a way in to start telling people. And I just said, I'm not with him anymore and I'm back at home. And they were like, I am so sorry, which they shouldn't be sorry for at all. I hadn't said anything. They weren't to know any better. And why would they expect to learn that after a year of marriage, we were separating? They were comforting. They were nice. But there's going to be these triggers. There's triggers like birthdays and anniversary days, whether marriage anniversaries or just how long you've been together that you have to get through. It's the same as any grief period, such as the anniversary of when someone passes away. It's the same thing or something comes up on television that reminds you of them. All of those things. So to say, oh, you know, I want to be happy and I want to be confident, but you're still potentially going to be caught out by little things. And that's okay as well. So taking a realistic approach to how you can get through and at what pace is really, really important. It's important not to do too much too soon because then you feel more like a failure because you think, why am I not there yet? Why can I not do this, that and the other? And that's where it comes back to dating as well. Why am I not finding someone yet? Have you even been single that long? Have you even given yourself a chance to get over that person? Really? Really? I dated too early. Hold my hands up. And it's amazing how many people encourage you to do it. And they encourage it by accident because they say, how's dating going? And you think, oh, should I be dating? Oh, okay, I should be dating. Because people are asking me about it. Shouldn't have touched it with a barge pole for a long time. That said, it brought up things in me that I started to notice the patterns of. So 
Catch-22. If I didn't, I wouldn't have known some of the things that I needed to work on. Oh, well. But take it steady and realise this is a slow process that you can build yourself up over time. And once you get through this bit and you start to feel it coming back, then it's so, so amazing. Breakups don't have to be the most negative thing in the world. And they're often really, really good points of growth. I don't want to go down the toxic positivity route of that this is the most wonderful thing that's happened to you. It's not. It is a challenging time. It's upsetting. It's upheaval. It's hard. But that doesn't mean that you can't benefit from it once you've got through it. Because the character that you build, the understanding that you have of yourself, and the person that you are the other side is not the same person that you were when it happened. And I look back, as I spoke about in the interview, and I know, and I always knew, that the best thing I could do was leave because I did not want to be there holding my ex back from getting the love and attention and having the relationship that he deserved with someone and that I wasn't in this position prepared to give anymore. So if you are the one leaving, it's really important to note that you could be doing that other person the biggest favour. They won't see it like that at the time and they may never see it like that. But I look and I think, I, I wanted that person to be loved in the right way. And whilst I did at one point, it didn't last as long as we thought it would and that's okay. But staying would have been the worst thing because I'd only be sat there awkwardly and, and not really giving them the experience that they were probably after. And if you're on the receiving end of that, it will be hard to see it in the moment. But if someone does not want to be with you, whether they've cheated explicitly and that has happened and you know about it, or they've just said, look, I just don't want to do this anymore. and I, I don't know why. And it, let me be honest with you, it can be really hard to explain why when you're not really sure. You just have a feeling. It's hard. Where's it gone? What could we have done to fix it? But let them go. And it's so hard, so hard. You can try, you can talk, but ultimately you want someone to be there and to want to be there. And if they're telling you that they can't be what you want them to be, then you've got to believe. And there's something Matthew Hussey says, I've heard him say it before, that if someone is telling you something that is harder for them to tell you than it is to not tell you, then you need to believe them. Because they would not tell you that if they didn't have to. If they didn't feel they had to tell you that, they would leave the hard stuff. So if they're telling you the difficult stuff and they're saying that's they can't do this anymore, then listen to them. And I know it's not easy because it's upsetting. It's caught you off guard. But there is another side to keep going through. And I'd like to think if you go through those things in those steps and make sure that you take it easy on yourself, that you'll be able to get through it just fine. A little bit of a serious one, but I think it's important because... Lots of you find this just as you've gone through a breakup and I think it could give you the comfort that you're looking for. Until next time, I hope you celebrate your single life when you're ready to and eventually join us in celebrating our single lives together. <laughs>